Chagiga, Perik Base, Mishnah Aleph, 2-1. Now, this Mishnah really belongs conceptually at the end of the previous Mishnah, as the Tver Sorel says, because we're going to talk about Arayos, and the previous Mishnah had mentioned that when it comes to the uh, drushas on which Wilner's Art certain halachas about Arayos, forbidden incestuous relationships, so Yeshlen al there's what to rely upon in the scripture, the psukim, the verses themselves. And since we're going to talk here about that a little bit, it would be appropriate to have this Mishnah be at the end of the last chapter. However, because the end of our Mishnah has a rather unpleasant imprecation when it says, Ro'i lo bololam, a certain person, we'll see in a moment in the Mishnah, better off he would have, you know, if he would have never come to the world in the first place, that's not a nice thing to say. We don't want to end the chapter on that low note, and therefore we bring this forward to this chapter. And the Mishnah says, first of all, Ein dorshan ba'arayas b'shlosha. One may not teach the halachas regarding forbidden incestuous relationships, um, even in front of three students, meaning one needs to have uh, at most two students when he's teaching this. Now, we're referring here not to any forbidden relationships that the Torah speaks about, but rather what are referred to as the sisrei arayos, the sort of the hidden forbidden relationships, that is to say that prohibitions that are learned out from drushas, from the psukim, they're not explicit. And the concern is that if you have three students that are learning together, so one person will ask the Rav a question, and then when the rabbi is explaining something to that, you know, student number one, students number two and three will talk amongst themselves about something to do with, you know, even on topic. But the point is they won't hear what the, the Rav is saying, and therefore they'll misunderstand what he said, and they'll not know the Isra properly. And Chazal were specifically concerned in the arena of Arayos, forbidden, forbidden sexual relationships, because... Um, there's a strong Yitzhahara and a reason for one to be sort of um, to want the lenience in certain scenarios and therefore the concern was a person who wouldn't know the halacha properly and would therefore be more a heter he would decide for himself that something's permitted when in fact it's forbidden and therefore the rule is that when it comes to talking about the halachas of Sisre Arayos inexplicit forbidden unions the halach is one can have at most two students in front of him now, the mission goes on to talk about other areas of the Torah which are also limited in terms of the number of students you can have in front of you when you teach it. The next line of the Mishnah says, Velo b'masa b'reshis, b'shnayim. You can't even have two students at the same time learning from a Rav who's teaching masa b'reshis. Now, masa b'reshis literally means um, the the works of creation, and it's referring to the process of what, what happened in those six days of creation. Now, we're not talking about the meaning of the verse themselves. That's, you know, relative to the context of what we're talking about here. That's child's play. Um, what we're talking about is the incredibly abstruse topic of how Hashem, who's infinite, um, set up an infrastructure for an infinite being to interact um, and make space for a finite world. And that means that there's this a series of, of um, stages of causality that chained down from Hashem on high through different olamos, the universe of creation, um, down to us. That's rather abstract. Um, it's a central piece of what the Kabbalah deals with. And because it's so unfamiliar and because it deals with things that are so potentially um, uh, dangerous in terms of one's hashkafa and one's amuna, if one would misunderstand what's going on, Chazal were concerned that people shouldn't learn even more than one Rebbe to one student, and even then, even a student who is certainly qualified and able to understand what's going on, um, so that nothing is misunderstood. The basis for that limitation of one person at a time isn't just a svara, it's not just um, 
you know, good thinking or prudence. It's actually a Chazal see it based on a drasha. The drasha is that there's a verse in Devarim, in Parshas Veschanon, Perk Dalad, Pasuk Lamed Beis, that's 430, chapter 4, uh, verse 32, um, which is, the Pasuk says, Ki yamim rishonim, if you will please inquire after the first days. And the word Sha'al is in the is in the singular, meaning if an individual person inquires about Yamim Rishonim, those first days, and the Pasuk ends up by saying, Lemin Hayom Asher Bar Elohim, from the day that the Hashem created the world. So the drasha is that since that mish, that verse is talking about looking back at those first days, the days of creation, and it has a Sha'al in the singular instead of Sha'alu in the plural, so the drasha is that the drasha is that one... Uh, is to only um, teach inquiring students, even qualified ones, one at a time. Finally, the Mishnah says, in terms of limitations here, it says, Excuse me, You can't um, teach Maisa Merkava, literally the, the works of the chariot, even to an individual, um, only Ela'im ken hayachacham umeven medato. Only can Rebbe convey to a student who is in himself a chacham, he's already wise, and mevim medato, he's sufficiently um, thought through and refined in terms of his thought that he can he can understand what's going on even without being told explicitly what's going on. Um, so this is saying you can only teach even at most one person, and even the one person you can't teach them directly, only indirectly. Referring here to what's called Maisa Merkava, the work of the chariot, um, that's a reference to what is discussed in uh, several chapters of the prophecy in Sefer Yechezkel, Ezekiel. It also exists briefly in Sefer Yeshaya, the book of Isaiah. And uh, just as a chariot, if you look at, say, a picture of what, what a chariot looks like, uh, an ancient chariot, so you basically have a rider attached um, to some horses, and he's standing on like this chair with his wheels, and the rider himself has no direct contact with the ground or the earth, and he's conveyed um, wherever he's going with you know with these horses, and uh, and uh, through this chariot mechanism. So this Maisa Merkava is a metaphor referring to the way that Hashem interacts um, with his universe. He doesn't do it directly, but rather th- through a, a series of let's call angelic forces, angels, let's call them, um, who function sort of like a chariot um, um, that intercede as sort of intermediaries typically between Hashem and the Bria, the creation. Um, and since these things are totally um, abstract and really whatever words or metaphors you use are inadequate and potentially, you know, terrible terrible in terms of, if, if you misunderstand them, in terms of um, heretical thinking. And therefore, and the luck is that you can't teach it to anybody except what's called the Roche Prakim. You can only convey just the um, the main topics, and people have to intuit for themselves and understand understand what's, uh, what's going on for themselves. Now, the Mishnah continues and says, Anyone who looks into, who investigates, who inquires about the following four things, Ra'wi, Lo, it would have been appropriate for him that he wouldn't have uh, come to the world in the first place. Now, that's the gears that we have in front of us. According to Rashi, the um, the gears actually is Ratsui, with a tough, not Ratui, but Ratui. And that's a bit of an unusual word. It, it comes from the expression of, of Rachimim, of mercy, as if to say, Muruchamhaya, 
like it would be merciful for him, meaning it would be easier for him not to have been um, created at all because of the problems that investigating these sort of inscrutable, unknowable, inexplicable things um, will do to him and his misunderstandings and his uh, coming out on the wrong side of things, being being uh, confused, frustrated, or worse. And those things are, first of all, mala mala, what's above. The above here we're talking about is what goes above the in the Maisa Merkava, so there's a description of this chariot, um, which is supported by um, these chayos, like these angelic beings. And then above the chayos is the rakia, the sky, and above the rakia is this uh, kise hakavod, the throne of glory upon which is the kvod Hashem. So to look above what's going on through rakia up, um, is uh, is off limits that area to investigate that is off limits that's lamala malamata what's beneath below according to Rashi that just means um, what's like below the rakia also mysmerkava stuff but most learn here we're talking about sort of what's at the at the bounds of the universe you know what what is at the at the edge of the universe what's beneath the earth beneath the bounds of existence and beyond those bounds I'm sure every person has sort of wondered for a moment um, you know if the universe is finite what happens at the edge if you go beyond the edge, how can there be an edge? Um, so we're talking about that sort of train of thought. Um, beyond that, malifnim, what's within, malachor, and what's um, afterwards. So the two pshatim brought in the Bartanura, and one is we're talking about sort of the eastern and western boundaries, so to speak, of existence, similar to the first. And the second approach, and my preferred one, is that we're talking about what happened before existence. That's lifnim, what's within, uh, as Rashi understands it, that, you know, there was... Before Hashem created the world, there was like nothing. There wasn't even an empty space. Empty space itself is a is a creation. It's a bria. So what was what was that was existing before Hashem's creating existence, um, and also malachor? What happens afterwards? What happens at the very end of time? All these things, these four things, are uh, are off limits because one who investigates them and thinks of them too deeply will just um, end up spinning his wheels and could um, damage himself, hashkafically or otherwise. Psychologically, and finally says the Mishnah: al kvod kono." Anybody who doesn't um, hold his the honor of his creator, kavod kono, the kono meaning Hashem, kavod Hashem's honor, and doesn't have hold in high regard and be concerned for it, so then rotui lo shlo balolam, it would have been better for him not to come to the world, appropriate for him not to be created. The reason here is because the whole purpose of one's existence, the very reason why Hashem created us is for Kvod Shemaim, to be Makada Shem Shemaim, to, to bring honor and and um, Hashem and bring Hashem into the world. So someone who has the attitude, you know, I'll, I'll, if I do a sin when no one's around, like who sees me, there's no one here, Hashem isn't present, that is such an affront and disgrace and chil Hashem um, to Hashem and his honor that um, he like undermines his very purpose of existence and therefore better off he would not have been created in the first place says the Mishnah. And that was the imprecation, that very sad um, thing that we, or terrible thing that we talk about at the end of the Mishnah, which is why we didn't want to start, end the previous chapter with that thought. But we end this Mishnah with that thought, um, and we go on from there to new topics in Peric Base Mishnah Base.